You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tajan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the nine finger chronicles podcast if you don't know who i am my name is dan johnson i'm the host of this crazy ass show and today we're going to be talking with a gentleman named getty johnson out of minnesota and it's a podcast about how he hunts where he hunts the terrain that he hunts uh the deer that he hunts uh it's just a really good episode i'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it i'm not going to give too much of it away i'm just going to do a little update on my life right now before we get into today's episode let's see we got the ata show coming up so stay tuned for some podcasts coming out of the hunting gear podcast camp where we're going to be breaking down the ata show we're going to talk about new products we're going to talk about you know the uh the archery industry as a whole that kind of stuff um so keep an eye out for that what else do we got going on Ooh, we got some big news coming out we are going to be introducing a brand new podcast to the sportsman's empire podcast network and it's going to be called how to hunt turkey it's kind of mirrored off our how to hunt deer podcast but our buddy paul from the uh um oh shit the o2 podcast he's going to be uh, he's going to be running that show. He's an avid turkey hunter. I think the guy actually hunts turkey and likes hunting turkey more than he uh, does deer. How? I, I'll never understand it. I'm a bow hunter for, for whitetails. I, I do like some turkey hunting every now and then, but uh, he's going he's gonna to hop on and he's going to do his, uh, his job, and that's talk about turkey hunting strategy, the details of it, and it's going to be... Uh, I mean, it's going to be beginner focused, but for anybody like myself who I've hunted turkey a long time, but I really don't know how they act. I don't, I just go out, I call, hopefully they come in and then I shoot them in the face. It may be that easy, but I have a feeling there's some more details that would um, do everybody a, a big service if they, if they found out more of the details and the, the biology, the hunting strategy, all of that stuff. So Paul Campbell's going to do a real good job of that. Look for that. I'm going to say not next week. Yeah, about next week. Maybe depending on how long it takes for us to get set up, set the RSS feed up. I'm thinking it's going to be anywhere between next week and the week after. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, there is going to be some other content coming on the Sportsman's Empire. We're going to be, uh, I think there's going to be another feed. I, I haven't talked with the guy yet to confirm it, but I, I went and I listened to a couple episodes. It's it's really fantastic and fun content. And not it's not necessarily just whitetail focused, but it's outdoor focused, uh, hunting, trapping, fishing, a whole bunch of stuff. And it's a well-rounded, really fun podcast that's going to be a perfect uh, accompaniment 
if you want to call it that. I don't even, I think I made it, maybe made that word up to the Sportsman's Empire. Uh, so make sure you guys are staying tuned. Some really good content coming out uh, in the next, not only through the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Hunting Gear Podcast, but through the Sportsman's Empire as a whole. Make sure you guys share this with your friends because, uh, again, I know that I'm being biased when I say this, and I may come off arrogant, but I will put the content from the network any content from the network as far as education and entertainment up against any other podcast that's currently out there, including my own. Uh, and so we have some really good content. We have some really good brands. We have some really good podcasts uh, on the network. And uh, I just want to get it out to everybody so they know that uh, we're here and we're here to stay. So really good content coming. Other than that, my life has been absolutely crazy busy all three of my kids are now in wrestling. My youngest boy and my oldest boy, my two my two youngest kids, they are in wrestling, and they're they're having fun with it. <laughs> my daughter she just started wrestling, and we took all three kids to a what they call a developmental tournament this past weekend. And here's how it works. There's three one-minute periods, and if you get pinned or whatever, if you're just beating the crap out of them, you get to keep wrestling. And the reason behind that is is it just gets wrestlers more experience on the mat wrestling against an an opponent. And so (laughs) my daughter steps up, and her first wrestling match ever outside of a practice in kind of a tournament setting she absolutely destroyed this boy and I was so proud and I know it's her first match and it's a developmental tournament but the way that she just was aggressive and how she um and how she just like she kind of got it 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 clicked for her a little bit after you know just a couple practices and things like that so I was really proud of her uh, my youngest son, he he's only five, and this is his third developmental tournament that he's that he's wrestled in. And what is cool about this is I have no expectations for him other than for him to have fun wrestling. Right? It's too early in the game to start pushing him, but some things clicked for him. Like when he after he takes a guy down, he gets back behind him right to get the two points it kind of clicked for him and then after he broke them down and got got their stomach flat to the mat he put in a half nelson and another win you know so two things where you're starting to see the 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 time practice pay off and you're starting to see the technique come through now i don't know if it, this was this is this is a struggle for me because my my oldest son had to go through some or yeah through some adversity this weekend. The first tournament he was in, we I signed him up for it. I'll take 100% responsibility for it. I didn't understand and I still don't how competitive some of these tournaments are. And so even though I signed him up as a beginner, he's a first year wrestler, he's only been wrestling since October. I entered him in this tournament and I thought that maybe they would break it down a little better for, you know, beginning, beginning wrestlers would be with beginning wrestlers. And so Mac, my oldest boy, he wrestled kids that were like 25 and two. And he wrestled kids that had been wrestling for four years already, preschool, all the way up into second grade. He's a second, seven year old, second grader. And he got absolutely destroyed the first to the point where he would come off the mat I mean he was getting pinned within the first 30 seconds um, and there was really no time for him to even apply anything that he learned because he and and I tried to I tried to communicate this to him but he was standing straight up and down and he would go for the head the other guy obviously would get lower because he has the experience throw him on his back and just pin him 30 seconds. So he was really, really discouraged to the point where he wanted to not do anything. So then in that afternoon, I had to talk him into wrestling in, in this developmental tournament. And the reason where, that I wanted to do that was to get his confidence back up. And, and so it was cool to see him fail, handle that failure, 
and then come back and wrestle hard in this developmental tournament where he had the uh, opportunity to apply some of the techniques that he has learned as a wrestler. And so uh, that's a win. I'm, I'm glad he, he had the guts and, to tough it out and keep going. So, um, man, here in Iowa, wrestling is life. And uh, a lot of kids doing it. It's, it's awesome to see. And there's the old saying, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easier. And I... I, I I believe in that, even though I don't have a ton of wrestling experience. I, I wrestled in, I believe, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and then part of my ninth grade season, uh, part of my ninth grade season, and then it just got too crazy, and I, I decided I wanted to do something stupid and play basketball because all my friends played basketball. I didn't have any friends that actually wrestled, even though I was more, I was built not only mentally but physically for wrestling and so and so I wish I would have stuck at, stuck at, uh, with wrestling all through uh, high school because I was I, I don't you know I don't know what good is but I was getting better every single year I wrestled and, and uh, it was it was fun but I decided to push some pumpkins around that's it all right, that's that's an update on my life. We got more wrestling tournaments. We're we're full in dance. We got baseball. Baseball has started up. I can't believe it. Um, I got wrangled into being a coach on baseball. So let's see. Let me just kind of throw you my schedule. Monday night, two kids in wrestling. Uh, Tuesday night, daughter wrestling. Wednesday night, both boys in wrestling, daughter in dance. Thursday night, both. Uh, daughter in dance, one boy in basketball. Friday night, baseball practice. Saturdays, I don't think we necessarily have anything going on, but Sundays, wrestling tournaments. So life right now is full, full bore. And my goal into twenty, into twenty, um, into twenty twenty three, is to get to the gym consistently work my ass off and, and just just live a healthier lifestyle man I've really cut back on my drinking I've really cut back on my sugar even though yesterday after the wrestling tournament all the kids did really well and so I said to myself you know what we all deserve ice cream let's go get some ice cream and I I, I went to Culver's and got a medium con- concrete mixer and uh and so that was our treat for <laughs> for that day but other than that man I've, I've been really trying to put down the booze uh, only maybe two days a week, I'll, I'll grab one beer after the kids get into bed if I need it, and then uh, and then start eating healthier and and you know all the bullshit that goes along with that, and and really just hit the gym. I've I found that the older I get, the more I just like lifting heavy shit, and uh, and have really gotten back into weightlifting after. Um, I don't know, multiple years of doing different workout routines. Um, I did a, a very, for a while there, I did a high intensity program and I would, I lost a lot of weight, but I, I felt like I also lost some strength. And so now, and that, that high intensity program was great, but it, it really took a toll on my knees. And so this year I'm going to be doing a hybrid of both workouts uh, where my legs will be focused really heavy on weightlifting and then the cardio will come from that that uh, that other class so I don't know what I'm going to do how I do it I'm not an expert in any of the things that I've talked about over the last 12 minutes but uh, I just wanted to give you an idea of my life how crazy it is and what I'm trying to accomplish here in the future along with business right I'm trying to grow the network again this year we had a great 2022 and now I want to make 2023 great as well and I thank you guys all for your support I do have to do some quick commercials and because I've gone so long I'm going to make them short hey if you're looking for a saddle you need to go check out tethered they have saddles they have saddle hunting accessories climbing sticks and they also have all the content you need to watch to listen to to become a better a better uh, saddle hunter more efficient Next, uh, if you're looking for, in my opinion, one of the best broadheads on the market, not only a company, but the heads in general, especially a mechanical, uh, dude, I've never had a wasp or I've never been in a scenario where I felt like one of my wasp heads didn't open. Like 
because sometimes you hear you know you hear stories about guys saying hey dude one of my mechanicals it didn't open or it didn't deploy right or it planed or whatever i've never had that go bad with a wasp uh huge fan of the jackhammer three blade that's my go-to whitetail mule deer hunting blade Uh, now if i get into a bigger game i'm going to go to a fixed blade and that fixed blade option my favorite is the boss four blade but both of those heads are currently made in america right and so what i want to say is you got some of the best material with the best design and the best you know all american that you need you definitely need to check out wasparchery.com it's good to support american and then uh, uh i got a discount code nfc20 and that's going to get you 20 percent off of your purchase so go pick up a, a pack of wasp broadheads today next is hunt stand if you're looking for a hunting app that's going to allow you to e-scout to see the terrain in a different different settings as far as uh you know different map options go check out hunt stand it allows you to see property boundaries it allows you to know landowners um, the best thing to do is go to huntstand.com and check out all of the uh, functionality that comes with having this app it's very affordable and they also just introduced a pro whitetail platform that uh, if you're a serious whitetail guy you need to go check out and then vortex optics if you're looking for a rifle scope a rangefinder a spotting scope, a pair of binoculars, red dots, you name it, they have it. Vortexoptics.com, go check them out. And their VIP warranty is second to none. They have, uh, uh, you break it, you smash it, you eat it, you poop it out, put it in a box, send it to them, they'll fix it for free and send it back to you. And that's, uh, in my opinion, some of the best customer service in the industry. And last but not least, something that I'm going to be talking a little bit more about here uh, recently is 2% for conservation. If you are serious in 2023 about giving back, you need to go check out fishandwildlife.org. It's a, it's a, a nonprofit organization, 2% for Conservation. The Sportsman's Empire is currently certified 2% for Conservation, meaning we give back 2% of our time or 1% of our time and 1% of our income to some form of uh conservation efforts and so two percent for conservation is not only something you can do with your business but it's something you can do at an individual level uh as well so for that go check out fishandwildlife.com or fishandwildlife.org excuse me Uh, go check that out and uh, start giving back today other than that let's get into today's episode with getty johnson it's a good one three two one all right, on the phone with me from Minnesota, Mr. Garrett Johnson. Garrett, what's up, man? Not much, Dan. How you doing? Doing pretty good. I'll say this. Good. Uh, the last name Johnson is one of the most popular names, I think, in the, <laughs> the world. And it's I don't get a lot of Johnsons on this podcast. Yeah, no, we're uh, brothers from other mothers. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. Before we uh, get into the meat and potatoes about how your season went, sounds like you had a pretty good season, and, and we jump yeah, into where, where you hunt in Minnesota. Why don't you uh, uh, talk to us a little bit about what you do for a living? Sure. So I, uh, I'm up in northern north central Minnesota. I live in Alexandria, Minnesota. And for a living, I sell medical devices. I work for a big medical device company, and I cover Minnesota – all of North Dakota and a little bit of South Dakota. Gotcha. So with with my job, I go around, I, I kind of specialize in neuro. So neurosurgeons is kind of my main focus and uh, do brain and spine surgery okay. for the most part. So I, I know a couple guys who do that. Do you have to be in the room during major surgeries uh, in case some of those devices uh, take a dump and you got to fix them? I do, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I go in there and just, you know, make sure the staff knows how to put things together and use it and then also the surgeons. Yeah. So are you act so are you actually like all scrubbed up in the room, like just sitting in a chair chilling? Yes. Yeah. So I can't go in the sterile field, which is, you know, basically from the back of the surgeon to the patient. But yeah. I, I I'm in scrubs, I'm in mask, I'm in hat, booties, all that, but I don't technically scrub in. I can't touch the patient or right. do anything like that. So I can kind of be behind them and help them and 
talk to him, talk yeah. him through things. But yeah. Is there, have you ever been in any like hairy situations? I have. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at that point, things go south. Um, you just kind of dismiss yourself from the room and, and, uh, you know, let them do their job. Right. So, right. Yeah. And how many years have you been doing this? Oh man, I'm getting old, Dan. I've been doing this, <laughs> uh, since 2004. Okay. Uh, before that I was in the pharmaceutical industry. So yeah, I've been doing it a long time. 18 years. And, yeah. uh, and so you like looking back on, I don't know, like right now, if something goes wrong, I, I, I would, I would guess you have, you've learned the composure part of your job, you know, just handling it, getting out or fixing the machine and you know, Oh, well, we've been through this before, but can you remember like something bad happening in that room? And it was like one of your first times back in like 2004 or five or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple times, but one in particular, things things went south, and yeah, that was my first time actually when things went south, and you're just you're green, you don't know what you're doing, and yeah, I didn't really know what to do at that point. You know, everybody's kind of frantically scrambling around, but you know, it, it's really interesting how those professionals in the OR they at that point when push comes to shove and things go south that's when their instincts kick in and these yeah. surgeons really go to town. And it, it was, it was fun to watch, you know, it, not, not because of the patient and what was happening, but just to see how good these surgeons are and the staff. And when, when things go south, they, they really step up their game. Right. And so back in the day they had the show ER and then they mm -hmm. have Grey's Anatomy and things like that. Yeah. It is, is the emergency room or the operating room in any way, shape or form like Hollywood? No, not no. really. Okay. No, it's, it's, uh, yeah, the way they portray it is a little different than, you know, I, I know I've watched some of those shows and you kind of look at it and like their sterile technique and they, everything's a little bit out the window. You know, they yeah. do a pretty good, pretty good job, but you know, there's some things you just kind of look at and laugh and shake your head like, eh, that's not how it is. Yeah. Yeah. But they do a good job. Well, it's a job that I, I, I assume keeps you on your toes. It does. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good, yeah. man. That's yeah, good. no, that's good. How far do you have to travel from your home? Is that like every day or is it a lot of travel? Yeah, it's a lot of travel. Um, like yesterday, last night, I came back from Bismarck, North Dakota, um, and that's about a four-hour trek for me. So okay. I guess my furthest point is probably five and a half, six hours away. Okay. All right. So. But everything's drivable, which is nice. So I kind of have my own destiny. You know, I don't I don't rely on the airlines to get me to and from. So right. it works out good. Right. Well, I know a guy who he travels through South Dakota to do his job. Uh, he like uh, polishes and resurfaces high school basketball courts. And yeah. so he's on the road all the time traveling back and forth. I think southern Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, eastern North Dakota is kind of his uh, area. But when he's out doing that, he has some time to stop, maybe go put some trail cameras up on public land, do some scouting because, you know, in this corridor that he drives in, there's a lot of public land. And so yeah. do you ever have the, do you ever stop and, and do the public land scout or hop in the tree for a night? You know, I, I have, yeah, I've never hunted, but in North Dakota, I'm, I just I've never bought a tag in North Dakota to bow hunt over there and it's always every year I talk about it and I have a couple spots that I watch and I've been out to public land and there's actually an island that I kind of have my eye on it's a big island kind of in I, I would say central to northern part of North Dakota and I know a guy who's hunted this island and he's shot a big buck off of it. And so I've kind of keep my eye on that. And there's some other public spots around Bismarck that I've, you know, gone out and I just at night, if I'm able to, I'll go out and I'll glass some of the food areas. And yeah, it's intriguing. I just haven't had the time to do it yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it sounds like you need to make it happen, man. I know. I know <laughs> I do. I know. Life is busy, Dan, as you know. Oh, so yeah. It's, it's got to make time. That's a fact. Well, it sounds like you had a, uh, you know, you, you personally found success this year, but it also sounds like you had a couple uh, children who found success this year as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I did. So my, both of my boys, they found success. They both shot bucks this year, and my youngest guy, that was his first deer ever, and he shot a, a little little five-pointer, so he was super excited, and I got to video it. And so, I mean, I, I say that the video is it's what we all hunt for, you know. I mean, he is just – pure joy in his eyes and just i mean he's shaking and it just yeah it was amazing yeah it was cool how old are your kids so i have a 12 year old daughter almost 13 um 11 year old son nine year old daughter and eight year old son okay so So the boys the boys made it out uh are are the girls interested at all in hunting yeah, they are, um, you know, and it just like this year, it just didn't work out because we're all in hockey as well. Okay. And so that, that takes a lot of time. And so just the way everything lines up, it didn't work out there. We do have a youth season that goes over, um, middle of October, we call it MEA up in Minnesota and the t- kids get two days off a Thursday and Friday, the middle of October. And they've opened that up to a youth season, which is great. Unfortunately, we usually take a family trip with my wife's side over the MEA, so we've never had a chance to hunt that. And then during the regular season, my daughters are always busy with hockey, and it just never really works out. So, yeah, yeah. so they, they do have interest, and I think next year is hopefully the year that I'll take them out with me as well. Gotcha. Have, have your daughters killed anything in the past? They haven't. Okay. No. Gotcha. No. Gotcha. And so it was a first for, a first for your youngest boy? Yep, and first for him and how my oldest boy. He's he's shot a few. Okay, so gotcha. Yeah. So yep. you're 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 in the beginning process of uh, cultivating some hunters for the yeah. rest, for the yeah. you know replenishing. Basically. Yeah, cool. Yep, cool. yep, absolutely. Are they? I don't know. Like when I when I started getting into that age, you know, I was hunting, but I never really took it serious. I was more you know, into the social aspects, into the sports and things like that. Where, where do your kids stand as far as the, you know, importance? Uh, here, here's what I'll say for me, hunting took a backseat. Yeah. Yeah. Where do your kids yeah. stand? So right now, I mean, we bought some land myself and a couple of buddies. We bought some land just North of Alexandria where I live. It's in a little town called Parker's Prairie um, North central Minnesota. And so it's about 25 minutes door to door. And I bought that about three years ago, three and a half years ago. And so that's really opened up a lot of opportunities for us to go up there. It's kind of our little getaway that we can go up there. We have a little cabin up there and a shed. And so, you know, it's been really fun for our family and especially for the boys and I to go up there and shoot guns. And so they've really gotten into hunting because of that. And we also have the luxury, we live on 20 acres uh, where we live right now. And so, and we have some really good deer hunting here on, at my house. So, you know, it, it's been great. The boys go out and squirrel hunt around the yard and, you know, it's really cultivated a lot of interest in hunting. And this year, my son actually got his first bow. Well, not his first bow, but his first real bow, I guess I would say yeah. that, he can draw back the legal limit in Minnesota. So we actually were bow hunting with him, my 11-year-old this year too. He didn't get one with his bow, but he ended up shooting a nice eight-pointer with his rifle. But yeah, yeah. so, you know, to answer your question, Dan, yeah, they they really love hunting. I mean, awesome. I'll, come ho- I'll come home and they'll be walking around out in the yard on our 20 acres with their pellet guns shooting, trying to shoot squirrels and birds and stuff. So, yeah. so even without me you know, trying to influence them and push them. They're out there hunting. That's so awesome. It's man. awesome. That's I know. Awesome. And, and as a hunter yourself, it must be a good feeling that they, they have made the decision to do like to, to follow in your footstep steps, so to speak. It is. I mean, you know, as every dad, you know, and being a hunter myself, having them follow in my footsteps is, you know, it's kind of a dream come true. Yeah. You know, you always, you always want to be able to share those memories and do that with your children. And yeah, it's the memories we've already generated in their short lives. You know, it's been amazing. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, did you come from a line of, of hunters yourself? I did. Yeah. So, um, I never met my grandpa on my mother's side, but he was a really big hunter. Um, and he had passed away before I was even born. My mom was actually pretty young, 
but he was a big hunter. And then on my dad's side, my dad was a hunter. Um, unfortunately, my dad wasn't really involved in our family life, but you know, he did introduce me to it a little bit and then just kind of on my own too. I just, you know, I had a lot of friends and their dads who were gracious enough to take me under their wing and take me hunting and yeah, just yeah. fell in love with it myself and started bow hunting. I think I was 15 when I first, 14 or 15 when I first started bow hunting and uh, shot a deer my first day out, a nice little seven point buck my first day out bow hunting and uh yeah just got my blood and been doing it ever since that's awesome man all right so uh you said you live around uh alexandria or alexandria minnesota what's the uh terrain like up there so you know for the most part it's pretty flat in alexandria where i live um you know there's some some hills but nothing nothing crazy it's for the most part a lot of farmland and flat terrain but as we go up to our cabin near parker's prairie which is only about half hour away the land i have up there we own 150 acres and that is very you know there's a lot of undulations to it the terrain there's a lot of you know you know not cliffs but there's a lot of good hardwood ridges and you know it's it's really fun hunting because of those ridges gotcha and so you have a couple different terrains, uh, terrain, you know, types that you hunt is, is one better than the other? Does one hold more deer? Does one have a higher age class, things like that? Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, if I could compare the one around my house to my hunting land up North, um, uh, both, both areas are hardwoods, you know, we don't have a lot of fields. I think on the one up, you know, by Parker's Prairie that I hunt that one, we have a field that's maybe about 10 acres and we put some food in there, some alfalfa this year. Um, we have a couple of little food plots in there, but for the most part, they're both the same. They're, you know, majority of it is just complete hardwoods. So, you know, I, I there's difference, you know, I've hunted kind of more of the crop edges and, a lot of that and you know different times of year it's great um but i enjoy hunting the hardwoods you know and just you know the element of surprise these deer come crunching up to you and the leaves and you know you can't see them till they're close to you and it's pretty thick where we hunt so yeah so i guess you know a lot of our woods it's weird we don't get a lot of a lot of bucks to show up in our woods until October, mid-October. Okay. And then all of a sudden the bucks just conjugate into our woods, the hardwoods. Because I suppose there's a lot of does there and they're maybe out on the field edges up until that point. You know, maybe the flies or the mosquitoes are driving them out of the woods and they're, you know, out on the field until the weather drops and the cold temperatures come in. Then at that point they, they just flock into our woods. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's great. That's one thing that I've always found interesting is the annual patterns of deer in certain places. Right. And so, um, specifically the main farm that I hunt where, man, if, if you would get the summer photos and this is on the, this is the law of averages. It didn't really happen this year, but on the law of averages, if, if you had a, if, if, if you said, if you were basing your year just on the summer photos that I would get, holy cow, man, I'd be yeah. in the money. I mean, several yeah. deer in the one seventies hanging around this farm, but then something happens when the velvet comes off, there's this redistribution. I talk about it all the time. And, and this, yeah. there's just this huge shift in the deer. Now the does are pretty much consistent, but the bucks are gone. They just, they leave, but then they come back in this late October timeframe, similar to what kind of you, uh, just, just described. Have you noticed any type of shift in your deer herd and, and maybe what you think is causing that? Yeah. So, you know, like I talked about for us, they come back in, the bucks come in in October and I attribute that to the number of does that are in our woods. And those, like you said, they're consistent through the year. We have doe pictures all summer long into the fall. 
And there's just a high number of does and fawns in our, in our woods. And then all of a sudden, you know, I attribute it to number one, the crops being harvested coming off the fields and they're coming in the big timber because, you know, the crops aren't out anymore. The does are in our woods and obviously the testosterone is starting to, you know, start pumping a little bit with them with the rut right around the corner. And so I really attribute that to it. Um, It's, it's amazing. There was a buck, the first year we got the property, there was a really big buck. He had a really nice drop time, hunted him hard that year. The first picture I got of him that year was October 19th. Um, Saw him all, I mean, he was a regular on our cameras that whole fall from October. I think the last picture I had of him with, with antlers was February 24th. And then um, I think he dropped his antlers or he moved on to a, a wintering area. Well, then the next year, no pictures of him all summer. All fall, October 18th, he shows up on my cameras again. And then from that point on, he's consistent. He's on my cameras just like he was the year before. And then um, the next year, then actually my buddy, he pops up on my camera again um, right at the same time. I think it was like the 20th of October that year. And then my buddy actually shot him with his rifle. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, but again, just, you know, just a big bruiser. I think he scored 156 fork drop time just a really old heavy heavy bean deer so yeah so do you notice a difference uh you know we talk about crop you know crops being harvested but do you know um or or happen to see a difference in the deer herd uh and maybe even the 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 number of bucks that are on the properties that you have access to went on crop rot- different crop rotations years like corn versus soybeans you know i haven't noticed that specifically dan i mean it's you know that there's not a lot of cropland around us it's a lot of alfalfa and just hay fields um obviously there is crop there's corn and beans around but not not as much mm-hmm. in the in the near area so i haven't picked up on any you know anything that i can contribute the deer moving in in october to that you know when the crops if there's beans in the field around or corn but yeah you know i call it i call it a corn year like this farm is split into d- two different kind of pieces the uh the top not the river bottom portion of it, but the the top part of it, when it's in corn and the bottoms are in soybeans, it tends to be a better year. This year is just straight different because a whole bunch of things happened on the main farm. But usually this year would have been a, a year where there is just a ton more shooter caliber deer on the property as opposed to uh, previous years where, uh, you know, or on the, the the beans up top corn in the bottom where it just seems to be less yeah the deer are still there and then after you know after uh, the shotgun seasons come through which is just about ready to happen here in iowa the deer just uh relocate again and then they don't come back until spring so uh it's just again something something that i find very interesting and i wish i had answers you know what I yeah. mean? I, I wish yeah. I knew why why deer did what they do in certain crop rotations, and I don't know. I, I think about that. Yeah. yeah. Do you find corn or beans to be better in your area? See, it it's weird. The the so I when I call it a corn year because the corn is up top, but the soybeans are in the bottom, and that's where a majority of the deer hang out. But in a, I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's really 50, 50. It's just on that particular rotation. I think with the corn being up top, there's more grain waste. And so maybe they're just moving through the property more than on, uh, the years where the corn is down in the bottom and they don't have to necessarily move to the corn as much. Cause one thing that I've typically found is that Harvesting soybeans is a little bit more efficient. There's not a lot of grain waste compared to corn. And, sure. and they're hitting the cornfields before they go to the, like, before, I don't know, a, corn, a picked cornfield would be a better food source, I'm guessing, than a picked bean field. So who knows? I, I just know that they tend to gravitate towards the cornfields 
better than the soybean fields, the picked picked ones at least. So yeah. again, it's just a guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I feel the same way. I think maybe there is something to the waste of it um, with corn. There's just more grain on the on the field after they've picked it. I, I would say that in general, I feel beans are better if they're not harvested. And they're just because a couple of years ago, we had a bean field on our property and we didn't harvest it. We just let them sit. And I mean, the deer were in there like crazy. I mean, it was it was unbelievable late hunting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, when the snow came, they were just in there. Yeah. So I believe, I it. don't know. I believe yeah. it. All right. So uh question uh, now you, you shot a really good buck this year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is that, is a, is a deer of that caliber pretty typical on some of the farms that you hunt? Um, not, not at the, the deer I shot this year and I'm guessing he'll probably score mid one fifties somewhere in there. That is my guess. Um, but this was at my 20 acre plot where okay. our house is. Okay. So, so it was kind of a unique year, but typically this property where we live, it, it doesn't, it, there's lots of does and fawns throughout the summer. Um, we typically don't see a lot of bucks until kind of after the gun season, because we don't hunt it with gun. It's just kind of a bow only area that at least I say it's only bow. We just, we just don't want to have guns around because there are neighbors, you know, not too far away. Yeah. So they kind of flock in here and every year we'll have, you know, a decent buck that comes in, you know, the middle of November and it's just kind of chasing does around. And, and this year it was the same thing. You know, the buck I ended up shooting, he just kind of came in. My neighbors started seeing him, and, and then I saw him one day, um, the Thursday before I shot him, I shot him on Sunday, the 19th. And I saw him that Thursday before bedded down with a doe kind of in our backyard. And then my neighbors on both sides of me, they had texted me, Hey, did you see that nice buck running around between our property? And then that Sunday night, about four o'clock, I ended up shooting them. Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. so like, but no, no trail camera pictures of him before. Um, you know, I think there was one that I have of him as I look back on the picture, it's a little blurry. It was kind of, it was a right at dusk and, or at dawn, excuse yeah. me. And, and the camera sometimes gets a little, you know, in between that light and dark, it gets a little wonky. And so it was, it was fuzzy, but I'm pretty sure it was him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So question then, um, do you feel that not hunting with a gun during the gun season kind of helps that property absorb some pressure from surrounding properties. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, there's a lot of people pushing around, especially to the North of us. There's a lot of gun hunters and I just think, you know, it's, it's almost kind of, it's not a neighborhood obviously because we're on 20 acres and the neighbors to the East of me, he has a 10 acre and then another neighbor has a 20 acre. So there's not a lot of houses, you know, to the east. So, but they, there's a lot of pressure on the deer, and they just kind of flock in into our woods. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's it's awesome to have that that sanctuary for them in a, yeah. in a high pressure area. Because uh, yeah. I feel like the new farm that I picked up is just that. It's a place where deer they're not going to get hunted and except by me during archery season. And so, and during the gun season, if there is any pressure and you know, they, I don't know, I, 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 I'm sure that the gun hunters surrounding that know this and, and they're, they're playing to their advantage. I mean, that's why there's some tower blinds pretty close to the property lines. But with that said though, uh, they're coming out of the property that I have permission to hunt and going into you know, the, the fields where these guys are hunting and I'm assuming during gun season. And so it's going to be interesting to see, check, go check my trail cameras here after the shotgun season and, and check to see what's moving around, how they're moving through the, the woods and then make a decision based off, you know, that if I, you know, what the, what the late season looks like and if I'm going to put any attention on this farm. Yeah. So is this the farm that you shot your buck on earlier in the season? Yep. Yes, it is. Nice. Um, yeah, congrats. And here's another topic that I, I don't know about you, but I find interesting is like the power vacuum, right? So you shoot a mature buck out of a property. What 
what happens after that? Like, uh, you know, a new buck is going to try to take hold because I'm assuming that yeah. the buck that I shot this year ruled the roost. I mean, he was all over the place. Um, there was him and another big eight pointer that from an age class were older. And I just think my buck, I feel like my buck was dominant, right? He was all yeah. over. Um, I even have pictures of him fighting the eight pointer and then the eight pointer disappearing for a couple of days while this buck kind of chilled. And huh, so cool. I think I'm, I'm assuming he, he won the fight and won the rights. And then long yeah. story short, I put an arrow in him. He's not alive. And, and so does another buck try to move in and take his territory, you know, or does that eight pointer get the rain for this, year but i always feel like there's got to be some kind of redistribution of power after a mature buck gets taken out of it and my my hope is is that a big buck moves in during the late season i haven't had any cell cam picks of anything too crazy yet but uh yeah. I, my goal is hopefully something moves in late season and kind of picks picks that area up yeah i i believe that too i think i think that in general, that's what happens. I don't know. Maybe my theory's off too, but I feel like if you shot the dominant buck off your property, I feel another one's coming in. You yeah. know, maybe he got pushed out of another area, but he's coming in there. We saw, you know, there was a couple bucks up on our property this year. Nothing huge, but all of a sudden, gun season starts. And now after gun season, we have a really nice buck that's showing up on cameras now. And he hasn't been there all year. Yeah. So obviously he got pushed out of somewhere else and he's coming in and we've, we've never seen him. And, yeah. you know, you hear that all the time, you know, you just yeah. never know what's going to show up. So right. I'm sure there'll be someone that takes your buck's place. Yeah. Quick question about the, the 20 acres that you hunt. I, you know, I don't yeah. know about anybody else, but I consider that a, a small piece, small property, as far as hunting is concerned. Uh, How do you, how do you approach that property every year? So I I don't do a whole lot on it. It it receives very little pressure. Um, I do have a little food plot in the Northwest corner of it. Um, I just put in some clover and, you know, it's maybe about an acre that I have over the years kind of tilled up and, and put into some clover. So it, it holds a lot of deer and I primarily just use it like early on. That was where my sons and I were bow hunting. You know, I have a ground blind set up. The three of us would go set up. And I wouldn't even bring my bow. My son, my 11-year-old would just bring his bow, and that's where we set up. So early on, I primarily just use it for, you know, like this year, just early season bow hunting. If you have, you know, some extra time, it's easy. You can just slip out the back door and and get out to the ground blind five minutes and you're hunting. Yeah. So I primarily focus my attention up on our property up north a little bit further. Gotcha. Um, but, the, but this is just great, you know, as my boys get older, they can just slip out without me even and uh, go in the backyard and bow hunt. So it's kind of just a bonus property. It is. Okay. Yeah, it really is. Okay. Yep. And, and my neighbors are really good too, um, to the east of me. You know, he doesn't hunt his and so... You know, like this year, my deer, when I shot it, it ran over to his property and, and that's where it, it expired. So, you know, I just called and said, Hey, you know, just shot a buck. The one we, I think you saw and, on you know, in your yard the other day and, you know, is it all right if I come and track them through? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so is that then a, do you see something like that happen a lot? Like a, a, a really good quality deer show up? Uh, and you go in, is this the biggest buck you've harvested off that piece before? It is. Yeah. Typically, you know, there'll be, this was uh, a mainframe 10 with the, he had a kicker off his, his left side G2. So technically I guess he's an 11 pointer, but he, you know, he's the biggest one that I've seen on the property. Um, you know, there's always some nice 10 pointers that I see every year, but I know there's big ones around. Some of the neighbors will say they've seen some big ones. Um, in just past history, I grew up hunting this land when I was a little kid. Uh, one of my buddies' dad owned this property. And so I even slug hunted it back in the day, bow hunted it back in the day. And then uh, we ended up buying it from my buddy and built a house on it, you know. Okay. Cool. 20 years later so yeah. yeah so it's 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 cool that i'm able to you know still hunt this property and i know there's been big deer shot off this land 
you know, in years past um, with slug and even with bow. So they're, they're around for sure. Good. So it's just, it's almost just like uh, you're patient with this, this small piece. And yeah. then when something shows up, then it's time to go. Yep. Gotcha. Yep, exactly. Okay. All right. Um, so let's see walk me through because you shot this buck after the gun season obviously you shot it with a bow we talked about the pressure of the gun season walk me through minnesota's uh uh season like when does it start when does archery start when did the gun season start that kind of stuff yeah so archery starts the middle of september it's usually that second weekend in september and it runs through december 31st every year um, and then, like I said, there's that youth season, gun season now that starts over what we call MEA, which is the middle of October. Um, that's a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so it's just a way to promote for the youth, which has been hugely successful, I would say. And then our regular gun season opens up November 5th or it did this year, November 5th. And where I hunt, there's some different seasons that run, I think up North, they run for three weeks or three weekends, two full weeks. In my area, it ran November 5th through the 13th, so two full weekends and then a full week in between. And then um, after that, then you can bow hunt for, you know, in between still, obviously, and then always the Saturday after Thanksgiving, muzzleloader season opens up, and that's for two weekends and one full week as well. Gotcha. Okay. So, so there's there's ample opportunity for yeah. uh, hunters. Are yeah. you – okay, so I, I – let's see. When you talk about pressure, pressured ground, one second here. <clears throat> when you talk about pressured states, states like Pennsylvania come up, states like Michigan come up, states like New York come up, um, do you feel that there is a lot of pressure – uh, in the state of Minnesota? Um, I would say yes, in certain areas. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough. I, I would say where we're at, there's not a ton of pressure, you know, and we're, we're pretty lucky. Obviously nobody really hunts around the 20 acres that I have, you know, other than to the North of us. And then our property North of Alexandria that I do primarily most of my hunting on, we have 350 acres of state land to the west, and then we have 1,200 acres of a Bible camp to the south. Okay. So there really isn't, you know, and I'm just speaking, you know, just from my perspective, there's not a lot of pressure where we hunt. Yeah. But, you know, probably in general, you know, if you look around the other, you know, parts of the state, I would say, you know, there is quite a bit of pressure in Minnesota. I don't know if it's to the Pennsylvania or Michigan caliber of pressure, but you know there's a lot of people that hunt and a lot of people that hunt public land yeah are you would you say that you are satisfied with the rules and regulations that minnesota offers um (laughs) it's kind of a loaded question dan yeah Yeah. (laughs) hopefully they're not listening but um (laughs) I, i would say for the most part yes my biggest beef is we have our gun season right through the heart of the rut yeah. in Minnesota. And that's so, November 1st, you said, right? Uh, usually that first weekend in November. Okay, so this yeah. year it was November 5th through the 13th, which in, in where, where we're at, that's the prime for the most part rut. Yeah. You know, and so I would say that's as a bow hunter, that's maybe from our perspective, it's the most frustrating part because you get a lot of these people who don't put the time in like we do and, you know, spend a number of, you know, days out in the field getting food plots and everything ready. They just come out, you know, happen to stumble across a rutted up buck chasing a doe and shoot a big one, you know, that we've been out chasing for two years and, you know, doing everything we can, which, you know, Hey, that's, that's hunting. That's the way it goes. But I think if they move that, a little bit, you know, that, that would be my prime time to be out bow hunting, yeah. you know, during that week, if it wasn't rifle season. Are you, are you allowed to hunt during the gun season? You can, yeah, yeah, you can bow hunt. A lot of guys do, they just go out bow hunting, but you have to wear orange and, yeah. you know, not that that's the end of the world, but yeah, yeah, I just but find it's only, that I, it's only one week though, right? There's only one week of rifle season. Yeah, yeah, two weekends and that full week in between. Okay. Yeah, so, so, so in my area anyway, so yeah. it's not bad. So outside of that though, because there are some states out there 
that, uh, you know, the rifle season goes from like, man, I think the guy in New York said from the 25th of October or something like that all the way until December. So the entire month of November is rifle season. And so I can imagine the deer just get pounded. And, and in one of the last episodes that I recorded, I said, Hey, you know, send me a Instagram message. Let me know, you know, about the, the gun season in your state, the rules and regulations that you're unhappy with. And uh, several guys from New York responded and they're like, dude, it is, it's, they're just getting murdered up there. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in that respect, we're pretty fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. be careful what you complain about. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, uh, uh, a rifle season that's only really I don't know, 10 days long is better yeah. than a rifle season. That's 20 days long. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So. And I think, I think, you know, there's maybe some different things they could do, you know, and, and, and they're not perfect either. I, I think there was one year, this was quite a while ago, but we could shoot, I think it was up to four or five deer with bonus permits and different things during gun season to the next year, we had to apply for a doe permit. Okay. So, you know, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, how did you miss it that bad? You know, yeah. I mean, from one year to the next that you could shoot all these deer one year and then the next year you had to apply for a doe permit. Right. You know, so I think in some of those that's that's a big miss but yeah i, I don't know I, I don't envy their jobs they have a hard job and trying to figure everything out i don't know how they do it so yeah what's so your for the most part we're good what's your goal every year when it comes to i don't know we'll just say hunting in general yeah um so it's changed over the years um obviously with the boys hunting now for me my biggest goal is to get them a deer you know that's to me I could care less if I shoot a deer anymore. I mean, just to see their pure joy in their, their eyes and see that, I mean, that's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I don't know if any of your kids have been out hunting yet, Dan, but you know, it's, it's, that's the best part about it for me. That's what it's all about. So for me, my, my priorities have changed a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I am, uh, I'm, I'm waiting just a little bit more. They are, not, I don't feel they're ready yet. And what yeah. I mean by that is just the noise that they make, the yeah. amount of, yeah. uh, I don't know, like the the attention that they need. They're like, and, and this is coming from a guy who only has lone wolf tree stands, right? So I don't yeah. have any ladder yeah. stands set up. So I, I need, I need a, uh, a, I need to go get a couple, uh, like two man ladder stands to put up somewhere in hopes of getting, you know, uh, I don't know, finding finding a spot where I can have my daughter or my son in the tree, they're yeah. comfortable, and then I I can also maybe shoot my bow out of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what I did is I went the the first year I bought this property. You know, obviously I knew it was going to be a long term investment, and so I went out and I bought an enclosed muddy. Uh, I apologize if that's not one of your sponsors. No, but, it don't uh, matter. It, yeah, but I bought I bought an enclosed muddy, like and, full enclosed, like you mean yeah, a, a box one, blind or yeah, one of those nice muddy. You okay, know, it's, yeah, it's um, I forget which one it was. Now it's not the penthouse, but it's you know it's one of those nice with the the metal base, ten foot platform, and you know the nice stand on top of it. Yep, and you know I can shoot my bow out of it. It's got the vertical windows in the corners of it, and you know it's. I mean, it's been a, it's been a savior for me. So the first year, my, my boys were still young. They weren't even able to shoot yet, but they came out with me and they sat all day long. They, I mean, from sundown, they were that patient. Granted, you know, I had, they had some stuff that they could lay down on the floor. They had an iPad or whatever they had, you know, and I had some good food for them so they could snack all day long as well. But I kind of set the precedence and now, I mean, it's awesome that during rifle season, they'll come out and they'll sit with me all day long. That's awesome. And yeah, so it's, it's been great. So I started them young and I just, you know, I agree if I would have sat them in a, you know, ladder stand out in the elements of Minnesota, it wouldn't have lasted, you know, it would be a couple hours stent maybe if I was lucky, 
but being in the enclosed stand, that's really helped. And, you know, it's kind of set the precedence that, yeah, we do stay out all day. And, you know, it's fun when we do stay out all day. Cause like, for example, my son, um, he shot his buck at 1 PM this year, came oh, really? in ch- chasing a doe, him and another little buck. He was chasing a, you know, fighting a little buck off and he shot his eight pointer at 1 PM. Wow. Ironically, you know, some of the other guys were in the, in the, cabin at that point you know already and that's where we saw a lot of the most activity it was at you know that midday so so i don't know i i'm a firm believer in being able to stay out all day because i see a ton of activity I, obviously i'm back in the woods and we see a ton of activity midday you know from noon to two three o'clock cool yeah so, man, I, I can't do that yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it'll come. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you what, if I had a box blind, it might be different. I yeah. might be able to yeah. stretch out, put like one of those big Cabela's recliner, uh, folding yeah. chairs in there, maybe snooze a little bit. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, I have an office, two office chairs in my muddy and yeah. And they're comfortable and yeah, you can kind of kick back and I even have a little heater in there. If it does get too cold, you can fire that up and warm up a little bit. So, yeah, it's maybe kind of easy hunting, but at the same time, you know, when you have your young kids with you, you want it to be enjoyable and have a good experience. And, you know, that's how I found it's it's been the best for me. But I, I still enjoy the element of being out in, you know, just a ladder stand or just a climber or something where you can feel the elements too that's obviously the best but yeah for sure for sure cool man well you know we didn't really get into anything too serious but i think this is a really good bs session um i I appreciate you taking time uh, on uh you know out of your day to to stop and record this and uh congratulations on a really nice buck this year and so Thanks, uh good luck the rest of the season if you do anything late season and if not good good luck next season man yeah well thanks a lot dan it's always fun to talk to you and uh yeah good luck if you get out the rest of the year and uh if not we'll keep in touch and good luck next year 